1: Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all the guilty stains. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you, evil, a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power, in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power, in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than stone? There's power in the blood, power in the blood, Sin stains are lost in the there's wonderful power in the blood. That is power.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. There is a finished work of grace, a finished work of holiness that God wants to accomplish in your life. It is not optional. It is mandatory. I listen and Recognize that all of Scripture was given by inspiration. It's the infallible Word of God. It is the final authority for doctrine and for teaching, for righteousness. But I am on tiptoes when the risen Jesus Christ speaks to His church. It's as though He steps out of heaven, and he speaks to correct his church. And we have the seven churches in the book of Revelation where Jesus steps forward, and biblical scholars recognize that there is a part of every church that applies to every age, but they also recognize that these churches symbolize ages, time periods. And the last, the church at Laodicea, representing today's church. Now, I'm not the only one who understands it this way. It has broad support and understanding across the board. So, I'd like to first go and just look at one message that is given to the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, Pergamum, each of the churches are given one singular message that is the same for each of the churches. Revelation, the second chapter, the last part of the message to the church of Ephesus, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now we're going to see each of these messages will be the same, and they will be a command to overcome. These messages to the seven churches utterly destroy the modern American teaching that you can continue being a sinning Christian. Rather, they speak to a finished work of holiness in the life of every believer who enters into the gates of heaven. Now, let's be clear. The perfection that is being spoken of, the holiness that's being spoken of, is not absolute perfection. It is instead about holiness. Moment by moment, being totally complete before God because of the presence of Jesus in us, enfolding us, ordering our steps.
1: So it's not as though in the
0: No, rather, you enter into a a moral holiness. So it's moral rather than absolute, because you can sin again, and you can rebuild what the Holy Spirit has washed and cleansed and changed and built in your heart. Rather, now it's an overcoming by the Power of the blood of Jesus. Daily, moment by moment, it's overcoming. It's not walking in any known sin. It's being washed and made clean in a moral sense. And so the church at Ephesus receives the message. Very clear. He who overcomes. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And then you come to Smyrna. The last thing he says to the church at Smyrna, He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Then we come to the church at Pergamum. He says, verse 17 to him who overcomes i will give some of the hidden manna i will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it known only to him who receives it now please understand in the context of this passage there is a call for repentance from the teaching of the nicolaians now what was the teaching of the nicolaians I've researched, I've not been able to find a definitive answer to that question. But if we look at the context of the passage, it seems clear that the teaching of the Nicolaians is the teaching that you can sin and still be saved. Now, when we look at Thyatira, again, the last verse, of this message to the pastor at Thyatira. In verse 26, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. So when Jesus comes, he is going to richly reward those who overcome. Nowhere in these messages are we finding one word of encouragement to those who continue to walk in their sin. You would think that if that gospel were a true gospel, Jesus would say in the messages to the seven churches, don't be concerned about your sin. I have forgiven you and I have saved you. Just continue to do the best you can. He does not say that. The expectation of Jesus is that we will wake up, that we will strengthen our hearts in Jesus, and that our deeds, our actions, will be complete in his sight. If we go to the church at Sardis in Revelation, the third chapter, he says in verse 5, He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. Now let's back up and I'll show you verse 4. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. In other words, they have not continued to sin. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. So the person who does not walk in white, the person who continually soils their garments, the person who does not overcome, that person will have his name blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Then to the church at Philadelphia. And this is the church where there's not one rebuke given to the church at Philadelphia. But look at verse 12. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and never again will he leave it, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now we come to the church at Laodicea. The church that is spiritually blind and naked and miserable the church that is not aware of its condition. It cannot see, but it's naked. He begins to give very specific counsel. He says in verse 18, I counsel or advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, So you can become rich. Now, yesterday we spoke about this, and I urge you if you did not hear yesterday's broadcast, go back and listen carefully. For you to finish the work of holiness in your life, it is going to cost you a great deal of money the money of time, the money of energy, the money of focus. And yes, even the money of coins. It's going to cost you everything. Because when you say, Jesus, I will serve you. I will follow you. Make me righteous, Jesus. Wash me. Cleanse me. Restore me to your presence, Jesus. Immediately, the devil brings a fire to burn around you. He begins to try to drive you from the presence of Jesus. You must undergo the fiery darts of the enemy. You must hold up the shield of faith and protect your heart and stand firm in Jesus Christ. Your life must be simplified, as I shared out of the parable of the sower, so that the responsibilities of life and the deceitfulness of wealth the love for earthly pleasures do not come and block you from the road to the heart of Jesus Christ. Now, he's going to bring the financial trouble, he's going to bring the health issues, he's going to bring the marriage struggle. All of this is being used by the Lord to refine you in the fire The launderer's soap is being used. In other words, the finished work of holiness in your life is complete surrender to Jesus, complete consecration to Jesus. No longer being swayed by anything in this world, no longer being swayed by the flesh or the devil but instead giving yourself entirely into the hand of Jesus Christ. It is complete commitment. It is selling out for Jesus. And this is a work that must be finished in a moral sense, not in an absolute sense. The rest of my life, I'm going to be discovering new ways to submit to Jesus. He comes and he gives me ahas. He gives me great understanding about what's happening in my life. I've been crying out to him over a a very specific issue, and I've been saying, Jesus, what happened here? And in the early hours of this morning, he unveiled for me exactly what happened, that God stepped in and he changed everything. And he showed me what he did. And what could I do but praise his name and worship him and thank him, even though what he changed was extremely painful to my heart? All I could do was worship him and praise him and honor him. Because my life belongs to Jesus. I have no issues with Jesus. I have no issues with my brothers or my sisters. I don't hold a grudge against anybody people have wronged me and i have forgiven them i have wronged people and i have sought to repent to those people i have wronged and to make restitution in every case so my heart now is completely still before god i've been washed i've been made clean I'm not going to go to the darkness. I'm going to walk in the light, even as Jesus is in the light. Now, let me take just a moment and, and talk with you about this. Some of you have lives full of issues. People who are unfair to you. People who cheated on you. These are very painful things. Others of you are upset about the way your boss has treated you. You're upset about your wife or your husband and how they're responding to you. You feel like things are not fair. All of these are issues. You're angry. Bitterness begins to grow in your heart and the poison of the bitterness begins to block you from having access to Jesus if I allow anger to rise up in my heart against a brother or a sister, if I begin to let rise up in my heart distrust for a brother or a sister, immediately the presence of Jesus leaves me Last night at the Bible study and the prayer meeting at the National Prayer Chapel, we took much time to talk about very concrete and specific ways of God. One of God's ways that I've learned very painfully is that when I become angry, when I become bitter, I block Jesus and he's grieved and he withdraws from me. Jesus wants you today to give to him all of your issues. Every raw feeling about another person, he wants you to give that to him. Every anger, justified or unjustified, every feeling of rage, discontent, unhappiness with my circumstances every indication that i'm a victim a martyr he wants me to give that to him until i have no issues left i have again consecrated myself entirely to jesus and now i just stand by faith that jesus is doing the work of healing in my heart and he's restoring my soul And I trust Him. And so, I come to you today with no discontent in my heart. I come today with no feelings of anger or bitterness toward anyone. I come with with a heart simply laid out before Jesus. Jesus. I have no ambitions for what I must accomplish or what I must do. He has made me incredible promises. Jesus promised me more than 60 years ago that he would bring revival in the latter days of my life. Now is the time for revival. Should I be anxious about this? No. His promise is sure, and God has his timing, and I'm to simply wait upon him and continue to give my heart in holiness to Jesus. And he will bring to pass what he's promised. He will do it. I will not do it. You know, I come and I preach to you because Jesus has told me to come and preach this word to you. I waited for this word and he gave it to me every morning. He gives it to me fresh from the fiery altar of heaven and I come and I pour this out for you. What you do with it is up to Jesus and you. It's only my responsibility to come and welcome you to follow jesus i'm not i'm not going to do anything but petition jesus and cry out before him for your soul so i'm not walking with issues of discontent or anger bitterness i come and humble my heart before god before you Say, Lord, finish this work of holiness in my heart. Open the gates of holiness. Now, the second piece of advice is most interesting. He says, buy from me white clothes to wear. White clothes to wear. Well, what are the white clothes? clothing what is the white clothing I'm supposed to wear I want to turn in the scriptures I hadn't planned to turn to this one but I believe I'm supposed to let me see if I can find it yes here it is let me just read this for you may I it's the book of Zechariah The third chapter then he showed me joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the lord and satan standing at his right side to accuse him the lord said to satan the lord rebuke you satan the lord who has chosen jerusalem rebuke you is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire Are you not a burning stick snatched from the fire? I am. Jesus had to snatch me out of the devil's hand. He had to take me from the bottom of the barrel and wash me and cleanse me, purify me, put me in the fire. Did he have to do that to you? Have you been rebelling against his doing that? Listen, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Do you need to cry out to Jesus today and say, Oh Jesus, take off my filthy clothes? Have you sinned against the Almighty God? Have you cheated on your wife or your husband? Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you a heart full of anger and bitterness? Are you dressed in filthy clothes today? Do you need to have God come and take those filthy clothes off you? Then he said to Joshua, That is, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. See, Jesus wants to do this work of holiness in your heart and in your life, and he wants to take away your sin, and he wants to dress you in rich garments but first the filthy clothes have to come off. Let me share a parable with you that I heard many, many times as a child. My father was a lay preacher and he would often tell this story. He said, there was a hobo, a bum, Who lived in a town? He walked the streets. He searched the garbage cans for food. He was dressed in a a beat up, ugly old hat, greased, dirty. He had a coat snuggled about his shoulders that was worn and holes and dirty. He'd slept in the alley too many nights in that coat. His shoes, filthy, his toes poking out of one shoe, his pants held up by a piece of twine, filthy dirty. There was a stench about him that one could barely stand to smell. The schoolboys walking home would see him occasionally and they would begin to shout curses at him and throw stones at him to chase him away. They were afraid of him. And he would run sloping along like a wolf, running away from the high school boys who threw stones at him. Everyone did their best to avoid him he was not an old man he was a middle aged man but his face was dirty and coated with whiskers his eyes sunken hollow cheeks obviously not surviving very well everyone acted as though he didn't exist but one day as he was Hesitantly making his way down the street. A limo pulled up beside him. The window went down. And there was the richest man in that city. He lived on a high hill. He had an incredible mansion. The richest man was dressed in... A beautiful dark suit. Shiny shoes clean-shaven, hair-combed, exquisitely handsome. He called to the old hobo, and he said, Sir, sir, come here. The hobo, hoping that he would receive some piece of money, came to the window expectantly. And the richest man in town said to him, would you like to come and live with me? I have many rooms in my mansion. I'd like to have you come and live at my house. Oh, yes, I I would like that. The door opened. The chauffeur helped him into the car with the richest man in town. They drove Up the long, winding driveway to the mansion, to the portico. And there the hobo and the richest man in town exited the car and went into the foyer. Servants were standing at the ready. The richest man in town said to the servants, This man is now a guest in our home. He's going to live here with us. So I want you to take wonderful care of him. I want you to provide him with everything he needs. There is no request I will not honor. Then he turned to the man and he said, Now please... "'Do what my servants ask you to do, "'and we will share dinner this evening. "'Now I have other appointments. "'I must leave. "'But please do what my servants ask you to do.' "'And the richest man in town "'went out and got back in his limo "'to go to his important meetings. "'The servants said to him, "'Welcome, I'll be your butler. Could I have your coat, please, and your hat? And the hobo said, what? Why would I give you my coat and my hat? These are the very things that protect me from the cold and the rain. I can't give you my coat and my hat. Well, sir, you need to have a bath and get cleaned up. So, I need you to take off your coat and your hat and then come to the bathroom. And we need to get you undressed and into a hot tub of water where we can scrub you up and get you clean. He said, What? A bath? I don't want a bath. I'll get sick if I have a bath. Are you kidding me? I don't want to take a bath. The master did not say anything about you taking my coat or hat. He didn't say anything about my taking the clothes off. I'm not going to do that. And the butler said, sir, we will give you everything you need. We will provide you with new clothes. We'll give you new shoes. We'll give you a new coat and a new hat. We will give you everything your heart can desire. But first, you must allow us to remove the rags from your life. Utter horror filled the hobo's face. He said, I will not allow you to touch me, and I will not allow you to take my precious belongings. These these things this coat this hat have have been with me many winters they have seen me through hard times why would i give these to you and the butler said sir we cannot put new clothes over your old clothes you can't wear a new hat over your old hat You can't wear a new coat over your old coat. You have to remove these items. They have to be gone. You must allow us to take these things because we are going to give you everything your heart desires. And the hobo said, I was to eat with the master tonight. But if this is how you're going to act, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to leave. And the butler said, Sir, the master will be greatly disappointed if you leave. But you are free. You are not a prisoner here. You can walk out the door at any moment you desire to walk out the door. But I beg you, receive the wonderful gift the master is trying to give to you. I will not. I will not give up my dirty clothing. These are my precious belongings. And with that he turned, opened the door, and strode out of the richest man in town's mansion, made his way down the long, winding drive, and back onto the cold and nasty streets from whence he had been brought. and then my dad would always say now tell me are you willing to let Jesus take from you the rags that have been precious for many years are you willing to give up your sin are you willing to give up your adultery your fornication your pornography? Are you willing to give up your ambition, your bitterness, your anger? Are you willing to give up your issues? The Lord said to Joshua in Zechariah 3, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Then the Lord said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this challenge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among those standing here. Listen, O high priest Joshua, and your associates seated before you. Who are men, symbols of things to come, I am going to bring my servant, the branch, Jesus. See the stone I've set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. The seven eyes have reference to the seven spirits of the living God that are before him day and night in the throne room of heaven I love this Zechariah 3 passage because it really says what we need to say about holiness you must be willing to give up the rags of your life if you are going to enter into the glory of the holiness of Jesus Christ. Now I know many of you have kept these rags about you for all of your life. They are your ways, they are how you defend yourself, how you function in a cruel and wicked world. One dear sister said to me, I choose to be vulnerable. I offer the love of Jesus to those I meet. I can be hurt. But I choose for Jesus to not defend myself, but to be vulnerable in the Spirit. She was right. We give up the rags of defense we give up the rags of lust. We give up the rags of ambition. We give up the rags so that we can fully enter into the moral righteousness of Jesus the Christ. Now I'd like to carry this further with you, please. I'd like to look with you at several passages of Scripture. Now the first one we're going to look at is Revelation the third chapter? Revelation 3, verse 5. The one overcoming, this one, will clothe himself in white garments. In white garments. That's what Zechariah was talking about. But now look with me at Revelation the seventh chapter and we're going to look at verse 13 revelation 7 verse 13 and one from among the elders answered saying to me these the ones having been clothed with white robes who are they and from where did they come and i said to him my lord you know and he said to me these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation they washed their robes and made them white by means of the blood of the lamb because of this they are before the throne of god and serve him day and night in his temple if you want to come out of the tribulation of this age you are going to have to wear white clothes and those white clothes represent, first of all, holiness, utter consecration to Jesus, a putting off by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the work of the Spirit, putting off all known sin, all rebellion, all issues, putting it all off in utter consecration to Jesus, being willing to endure the fiery trials that come, not becoming angry with jesus now i know many of you listening to this broadcast are focused on many different things in your heart you're taken up by all of the responsibilities of life you're consumed by your pleasures you're going to have to reduce these things and stop diluting your heart that you can be filled with Jesus. Television, movies, sports, all of these things dilute the presence of God in your heart and in your life. The busyness of work, the busyness of making money, all of these things dilute and destroy the presence of Jesus in your life. You're going to have to give yourself wholly and completely to Jesus to seek after him with all of your heart. If you seek him, you will find him. But you must seek him with all of your heart. And so in Revelation 7, he's speaking about the great tribulation and men and women being washed, being made clean and walking in purity before God now look with me at Revelation the 16th chapter Revelation 16 he says in verse 15 you must pay attention I am coming like a thief Blessed is the one watching and keeping his garments so that he may not walk around naked and they see his shame. When you sin, you lose your garments. Remember the story of Adam and Eve? When they sinned against God, they lost their garments and were naked and ashamed sin makes us naked it makes us ashamed it causes us to feel horrific inside sick inside the Holy Spirit increases that and says come and and repent confess get right with me But if we walk around naked all the time, we lose our sensitivity. And then we don't even realize we're not dressed. We don't even realize we're naked. Everybody's naked. He said, blessed is the one watching, keeping his garments, keeping himself holy before God by the power of the blood of Jesus not walking in wicked ways, utterly casting off the things of the past, walking clean in Jesus. Now, this passage is just before the battle of Armageddon. It does not say, don't worry about your sin because the battle of Armageddon is about to start and I'm going to save you. It doesn't say that. It says, blessed is the one watching and keeping his garments so that he may not walk around naked, that his shame be exposed. The naked man will not enter into the kingdom of God. The naked man or woman will be cast out. So Jesus is essentially saying to the church, look, if you are lukewarm, you are naked. And if you're naked, you cannot be saved. So the lukewarm will be cast out of heaven. They will be vomited out of the mouth of God. And then in Revelation chapter 19, let me read this for you. And I heard as if it were a voice of a great multitude and as a sound of many waters and as a sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigned. May we be glad and may we rejoice and may we give the glory to him for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride kept herself in readiness And it was given to her that she may clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, because the fine linen garment is the righteous state of the holy ones. It's interesting, the translation in the NIV, and let me turn and read this for you. It's very similar, but a little different. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Or the righteous condition of the saints. These are things that are given to her. She has not earned them. They are given to her by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, a righteousness that comes by faith from first to last. You cannot dress yourself in fig leaves and hope to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you understand? Jesus wants to remove from you the filthy clothing of sin, of habits, of old ways. And he wants to dress you in the garments of righteousness, holiness. Now, the garments are going to cost you the same thing they would have cost this hobo or this tramp. And what they cost is giving up your old sin, giving up your old ways. You cannot keep the old ways of darkness and the new ways of righteousness in Jesus Christ. There must be a supernatural transformation in your life. It costs you everything. You must give up everything you have and be scrubbed with launder soap. You must go through the fire. You must be cleansed. Have, Have you gone through this yet? are you still playing games with your old clothes are you still standing in the foyer of heaven hoping that you can enter into heaven with your old clothing (laughs) well our time is up for this day we're going to take another step tomorrow in this broadcast we're going to speak about the last piece of advice being given to us by Jesus I, I ask please invite a friend to listen Go back and listen to the one yesterday. Listen to Mondays. I pray the Spirit of God will come and quicken your heart. I invite you to participate with me in this broadcast by, by giving, by giving tithes and offerings. The work of God is to be supported by the free will offerings of His people. So if you'd like to be a part of this broadcast, if it has helped you, then please jot down this address, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And thank you to the many who have already this month donated, but we are still far short of what we need. So if the Lord is prompting you to give, please step forward, be bold. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you to go to the podcasts and the videos that are available at our website. That website is nationalprayerchapel.com national and you'll find the website with a great deal of information and teaching that will help draw your heart to jesus it'll also give you directions to the national prayer chapel i invite you to come and visit now let's pray lord jesus this is as serious as it gets The old clothing must be taken off before the new clothing can be put on. I ask that every person listening will allow you to do this work in their hearts, that the issues will be laid down on the altar, and that your healing will flow in their hearts. Lord, finish this work of holiness. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chaplain, Woodbridge, Virginia. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.